Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to Quantum Living, a magical place where science meets spirituality and anything can happen. Today's topic is very close to my heart, so close that it actually melts it. (laughs) We'll be talking about horses, and more specifically about the horse magic. I love all animals, but especially horses. They are the epitome of strength, power, intelligence, beauty, grace, gentleness, unconditional love and spirit connection in the animal kingdom, as far as I am concerned. And there is so much more to these magnificent animals that I'd like to tell you about, and so I have invited to the show a special guest, Anne-Britt Bollinger, who is an expert in this field. Anne-Britt started riding when she was 35, and at the time she was actually terrified of horses. And yet she could feel the special healing and spiritual qualities of horses, and so decided to learn more about them and work with them in spite of the fear. She is now an advanced practitioner of the facilitated equine experiential learning, or feel in short, and a life spider coach based in Bjöv, Sweden. She brings in her horses as teachers to her compassionate living coaching program, creating a unique, effective and unforgettable experience for her clients. And she joins me now from Sweden. Hello, Anne-Britt. Welcome to Quantum Living. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Hello, Anna. So happy to be here. Uh, I'm very good. Thank you. That's lovely. How are you? That's lovely. I am fine. I'm so happy. I can't wait to uh, to have it, this chat. Uh, we were talking uh, earlier on and I just loved our conversation and how much I can find out from you and learn so much more about horses. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, so let's dive right into it. Could you please tell us about your personal journey? How did you discover horse magic, the healing power of horses, and set up a horse healing farm as a business? Yeah, as you said, I started to ride when I was uh, 35. I was really terrified of horses, but, uh, you know, I couldn't keep away from the stable. I felt sick when I was going, and then I always felt really good when I came home again. So I found their loving qualities. Uh, they really give you unconditional love. It doesn't matter if you're tired and stressed, and you know, if you're not dressed well, they still give you love. Uh, and my husband started to ride as well. So we were riding the whole family uh, and we bought some horses of our own and we started a stud farm breeding Spanish horses 
people usually call them Andalusian horses. They are known for their beauty um, and their intelligence, and they're also very human-friendly. They want to be with us. They want to work with us. Okay. So it's uh, it's a really a beautiful breed. If you had one, you will never go back to anything else. Um, so at the most, we had 14 horses. So from being terrified, uh, I was a big horse lover. Uh, and then the there was an economic crisis in Europe, so it was almost impossible to sell horses. And we already had it, you know, we found it difficult to sell our, our horses because we loved them so much. So we decided to, um, to stop the breeding, and it was a very difficult decision uh, because we had, at the moment, I think we had nine or 11 horses, and we couldn't sell them. Uh, I mean, it's easy if you're dealing with furniture, you can just throw it away, but you can't. I mean, it was our beloved horses. Uh, but as usual, or as often happens when you take a very difficult decision, uh, universe opens up and, and something else comes in. We met Mia, who is the teacher of Feel in Sweden. And she asked if we wanted to be the first uh, group doing or, or training to be field practitioners in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And if our horses could be the teachers and the training would be at our farm. Mm -hmm. So we had a completely different direction in life. Wow. Okay. So when we spoke earlier, you mentioned a lovely story how one of your horses, Aquila, chose you as her new family. Could you share this with us? Yeah, this was when we were starting our stud farm. So this is 20 years ago. Um, I don't think we even had a computer. We, you know, we could never send anything digital. So we had videotapes sent by snail mail from Spain. So I've been watching several horses on my TV and the video player. Uh, and I, there was something about Aguila. I was watching the video over and over again. And she wasn't the most beautiful horse we had seen, or, but there was something about her. So when I watched the video for about the 10th time, she actually came out of the TV into the room. Uh, and um, I think it was the first... Uh, yeah, experience for me when, when I uh, found that horses, they live in another dimension. So... Um, what do you yeah. mean she came out of the TV into the room? Yeah, <laughs> she came out of the TV. I just, you know, yeah, it's, it's impossible to... As a spirit? Yeah, probably. I had never experienced it before and I almost got frightened. Ah. Um, but I just felt, you know, that we had no choice. She chose us. So I, saw, I told my husband, you know, uh, she came out of the TV. <laughs> so I think we just have to buy her. And, yeah, he, he was the CEO for an international company. He, he, we, we haven't really discussed anything spiritual before. Mm -hmm. But he believed me. So he said, okay. Wow. So we decided to buy her and we went down to Spain because I said we had to meet her. There's something special about this horse. We can't just put her on a trailer. We have to, to meet her in Spain and introduce ourselves. So we went down 
uh, and they were they showed that they wanted to show how beautiful she moved and so on. And we weren't really interested because you know it was already mm. the, the decision was made. We had the money in a briefcase because you, you couldn't <laughs> even send money on internet. So we had the money in a briefcase. Um, and then she came up to us after they showed her, and she just stood beside me. And I just felt, you know, she was ready to go there and then. And I told her, you know, my love, you, I, we can't take you today. You have to go on a trailer. We are going by plane. And she just didn't want to move away. And I could see how uh, she was very uh, annoyed with me. So later in the week, I said, we have to go back and talk to her again. So we went back and there were 20 or so young horses in the herd. And all the other horses came but not, not uh, Aguila. She was so annoyed, you know, she didn't even want to speak. <laughs> she was cranky yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a special connection mm. from the start. And that still is, and she's now 23 years old. So then how long after that she was actually transported to your farm? I think it took a few months. I don't really remember. She was pregnant by the same time. So I think maybe she had to stay for a few months uh, before they could uh, put her on the trailer. Um, Yeah. So when she arrived, what was her reaction when you met again? Uh, No, it was good. She wasn't annoyed anymore. But uh, horses can be a bit racist, actually. We have noticed that. So she wasn't accepted in, in the herd with the other Swedish warm blood mares. Oh. Yeah. So she stopped eating and she was pregnant. And, you know, she had a big this journey. It, I mean, it took almost a week to go by in the trailer. So I was a bit worried, uh, you know, that she could lose the foal. So I had to go up to the stable because we didn't have our own farm. So I had to go up to the stable and actually sit with her and pretend that I was eating hay. Mm. Then she would eat. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, it's a speci- special, special connection. Yeah. And she's still with you? Yeah. Yeah, she is. Okay. Mm. What has facilitated equine experiential learning or feel in short what is it uh it is experiential learning so it's a most people are not used to being with horses or even being in the nature so uh, it's an experiment to to do the exercises and it's also they are using all their senses i mean they can smell the horse and they can smell um, all the other uh, smells on the farm and uh, they can touch the horse in some of the exercises not very often but they can mm. they can touch the horse if the horse allows what's the purpose of the the exercise what's the purpose of this organization to make the world a better place <laughs> okay yeah i would okay. say so both for horses and and for humans mm-hmm. okay but in the same time we we train leadership skills we heal traumas, 
Mm-hmm. So the horses, uh, the horses bring a lot to our lives. Okay. So how does horse therapy fit into your live spider coaching? Because you've combined those two, yes? Yes, I combine them. I have a, a program I call Compassionate Living. Um, and the horses open up. So I would say it's it, the coaching can even go deeper when we have horse sessions as well as just coaching on Zoom. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the magic of the horses because they they get into your mind, into your heart, mm. uh, and you find things that you hardly didn't know yourself. Yes, and we will be talking more about it. Now, on your website, it says horses healing humans, healing earth. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? And uh, what is the meaning of this statement? Why horses are healing the earth by healing humans? Well, I think as we humans, we are not taking care of Mother Earth. I mean, we are almost killing ourselves at the moment with the pollution and everything. Uh, and it actually it came from a book by Ariana Strossi. She has written uh, a few books about horses and uh, leadership training and uh, also going into psychotherapy with horses. And I love the, the, just the, yeah, the feel of it, horses healing humans, because we have to be healed to be able to heal Mother Earth. We have to think in another way. Mm. We, we can't go on living like we are now because... Um, I mean, my generation will live, but I'm thinking of my grandchildren and, and in the future, their children. I mean, will there be mm. a, a mother for them or, or have we destroyed everything? Yes. So I think that the horses can, can start the healing process. So could you tell us more about those unique qualities of horses and horse therapy, which you call horse magic? And by the way, I love the, <laughs> I love this term. I understand that horses are telepathic, they have calming effect, they have some particular psychic sense. Could you just talk to it, to to the magic of horses? Mm. Well, my story with Aguila coming out of the television is my (laughs) absolutely strongest story about the magic. Uh, But they, I mean, they are communicating non-verbally. And we are using words. So as we speak, I mean, I'm in my head now because I'm not even speaking my own language. But with horses, it's nonverbal. So you are present in your body. And in all our exercises, it's very important to have a heart connection with the horse. So you're actually connecting your energies. And horses also uh, communicate, communicating telepathically with each other and even with us because say at three o'clock or three three thirty in in uh, the afternoon in winter time Aguila calls us because she wants to come in and I can feel before she starts calling that you know and then she calls and she's at the gate telling me oh hello you have to come and bring us in because we don't want to be here anymore in the field <laughs> and we had one horse that uh, when we didn't have our own stable, the other people in the, in the stable could see that we were on our way. 
because like five or ten minutes before we arrived, he started to move around, he started to do sounds, and it was the same way every time. So, I mean, if it only had been once, they wouldn't have recognized it. But when he did it over and over again, they actually knew that we were on our way. So when we had about two or three kilometers left um, from the stable, when we turned in, on that road to the stable, he started to do these things in his in his um, stall. Mm. So there, he knew that we were coming, mm-hmm. and he did it every time. Learn more about quantum living, a cutting edge approach to self empowerment and emotional freedom, at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual, and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. So what is the spiritual aspect of horses? Do they have individual souls or group souls? What do you think? Well, I can only guess. Um, I think they have an individual soul because all our horses are individuals. We have five horses at the moment and and they are all individuals. Uh, And I also think they have a group soul as a herd because horses are herd animals and they communicate telepathically, they communicate by body language. They can always find their way home as well. So they must have a a connection that we Mm. can't explain. I mean, you could, you can drop a horse off 50 kilometers from here. They will probably find their way to the herd. Yeah. So in your workshops uh, and sessions with horses, what actually is happening? What takes place when you bring people and horses together? Do they uh, touch them? Do they ride on them? Do they? What's actually happening? Say, if I were to observe your workshop or your session, what would I see? What's happening? You would see people not riding horses. Uh, we have no exercises where we ride them. And uh, we don't touch the horses very much because we treat them as as you would treat another human being. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you say hello to a horse, if they are interested in you, you can exchange your breath 
with the horse because that's the way they greet each other. They breathe and, you know, they take in the smell of that other horse. And it's the same with us. So you can actually breathe into the nostrils of a horse. And that will be a very polite way of saying hello. Okay. But what we use usually do as humans, we pat them in the face. And I mean, you wouldn't like it if I took my hand and, and no. just, <laughs> just patted you on the nose. But that's what we do. You know? I mean, that's what True. we do with horses. Yeah. So it's it's just that we don't, yeah, we don't think. And some people say, but I want to touch. Yeah, I said, that's you want to touch, but does the horse want you to touch it? Yeah. And usually they don't. They want you to scratch. They love it when you scratch. Um, but they don't really want you to just stroke it or, or touch it. Mm. So you have, you have to ask the horses in, in our exercises, is it okay? I mean, if you would like, after you, you say, can I say thank you? Can I touch you? And some horses say yes, and some horses say no. It's okay just standing there and saying thank you. Okay. So what actually takes place in those during those workshops and those sessions? What's what's happening there? We have a lot of different exercises. The first one we always do is called Meet the Herd. So it's done in the stable. The horses are in their stalls because we often have people who are very afraid of horses. So it's very important that you feel safe because if you are scared, you will not learn anything. And it's the same with horses. If they are scared, they will not learn. So uh, we have to be careful with people. So they have to get used to the horses. They have to see that the horses are very friendly. So this is a, a quiet exercise. They go into the stable. They have about 15 minutes to greet all the different horses. Um, not touching them, not talking to them, and the whole group of people are quiet. So it's just listen in to your intuition. Just listen in and see if you get the sign. And if you get nothing, that's also information. So okay, it's really learning to open up to something else than verbally talking. So that's the first exercise. And then we have different uh, Depending on the group, it could be group exercises, uh, like an obstacle course with a group from corporate. Uh, it could be, a, we call it the path to your goal. So the group decide, um, they put in like a chair or a pole or something on the ground and say the chair is our goal and the goal is this. And they explain to the horse as well what the goal is. And they have two obstacles and they explain to the horse what that obstacle is or are to, to reach the goal where the horse is, is one in the group. And I'm there as a, call it an interpreter. So I'm watching the horse. What is the horse doing when they reach an obstacle? When is it uh, hesitating? Does it uh, take the obstacle and throw it away? And then I ask questions, you know, what's happening and uh, the horse did this does it mean anything so it's going really deep because when they explain something to the horse the horse pick up their feelings mm. it doesn't pick up the words it picks up their feelings while they are explaining where the horse mirrors us so if i'm i'm explaining something about an obstacle i'm very frustrated but i don't really show it the horse will pick up my frustration 
and maybe start biting on the on the pole on the on the ground but maybe i'm still not showing anything then i can ask you know is there something about and yeah mm-hmm. so you have to do coaching questions okay it's so difficult to explain it in words <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> yes but may i just clarify uh, when you talk about an obstacle course on the way to mm-hmm. a goal obviously mm-hmm. that, that's a goal in the person's life they want to achieve yeah. Yeah. are you setting up a physical obstacle course and then do those people those clients invite the horse or guide the horse to go through this obstacle course now they're actually doing it but they are not asking the horse to do anything the horse is part of the group so it could be four people so at first you lead the horse you actually have a, a halter on and lead it and explain the goals but we usually take the halter off so the horse is free when we have done the first round we take the halter off and the horse is free and can do whatever it wants um so sometimes it doesn't want to go with the group and that's you know telling something there's some information in that why is the horse leaving you are you together as a group So then maybe they have to talk it over, regroup, debrief and start again and see if the horse wants to move with them. Okay. So there's so many layers in this exercise. Most of the time the horse is doing the obstacle course together with the people once they have understood they have to talk to each other, they have to listen to each other uh, and also treat the horse as one of the other people in the group. Wow, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. In some countries there are special horses uh, which are taken to hospitals mm-hmm. and as they walk through the corridors they choose which room they want to uh, walk into to comfort the patient. And they usually choose either sick children or people who are dying with terminal illness. So they give great level of comfort to those sick people. Could you talk to this? How do those horses know? And I I know of one particular such horse. I don't know whether there are many more and, and in which countries, but When you have such a special horse and you ask it to do this work, how do they pick up and how do they choose which patient in which room needs their comfort and their company and their presence? Yeah. Because it is very effective. People love it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they pick it up i mean they have horse uh, horses dogs and cats they all do the same so i don't know if we if there's something about the way we smell i don't know because dogs can also pick up if you have cancer for instance so horses they are i guess they have a this sixth sense that we don't um and i also know that horses they are very careful with uh, handicapped people and small children so i guess they they just feel
Yes, I guess my question, I asked the, perhaps the wrong question. Mm. Uh, what I meant to ask is how do they decide, how do they know which patient mm. needs their presence? Yeah. Because this is a very high-minded quality. Yeah. We're talking compassion. Yeah. Can you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, I can just guess, but they they have compassion and they they hold space for us in a way that people don't. And I guess they they connect on a on an energy level with that person. They probably feel that they are needed. Mm. Uh, I mean, they they can they can sense if you have an old wounded knee or something and put your put their nose on your knee when we have our exercises and they put their nose on a person's heart when they when that person really wants to feel love right so how how they pick that person it's impossible to say but i can only guess they they connect energetically mm. and if the person know that the horse is in the hospital they are probably calling. Mm. So we're talking again about energy communication and energy flow, yeah. telepathic communication, yeah. uh, which mm. uh, which proves to us that this sort of communication doesn't only happen within the species, so within horses or within humans, between humans, but it is a cross-species mm. communication because everything and everyone is energy and all we need to do is to tune in mm. to particular frequency to pick mm. up the message to pick up the information which is beautiful yeah we have yeah we sometimes have people coming here on a workshop uh, and they say i was contacted by a white horse <laughs> do you have a white horse in your stable um, and they, we had one, uh, and that ha- happened several times just with her, that they said, you know, I was contacted. Uh, and they go straight up to, to she was called Nympha, to Nympha, and uh, they could stand there for 10, 15 minutes, and time just disappeared. And it was usually people that were in grief or had some old issues they hadn't solved. Mm. She would um, telepathically communicate with them before they came. Wow. Mm. So why do you do this work? Why do you feel that it is important for us to recognize that horse magic? Mm. I hope you can feel I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also they they never stop surprising me, the horses, or what they can pick up and what they can do. Almost every workshop I see something happening that, you know, I, I just feel how how can they how can they know? Mm. Could you give us a couple of examples, like outstanding examples of such outcomes. I probably cry. I probably cry when I do that's it. A, that's okay. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> we uh, can cry. We can laugh. That's perfectly mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, we had one exercise. It was uh, with a group of people because we have a round pen. It's like a metal round room where we are with the horses. So there were a group of people. I think there were four of us and we had three horses. And it was uh, an exercise where I led the horse and the person were blindfolded. She just had her hand on the horse. And we were doing not an obstacle course, but it's a it's a journey, like a meditation. Um, and the other two horses were quite far from us, and the other people were also quite far from us. And when the exercise uh, came to a stop, I asked her, you know, what what's your wish? or your heart's desire at this moment. Um, and she was still blindfolded, so she didn't know anything about where the other horses were or, the, or other people. She only felt my presence because I was leading the horse. And she said, I want community. And when she said that, the other two horses came up and stood you know, beside her. Wow. And the other people also came. So <clears throat> we were all together wow and she didn't know i mean she 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 didn't she see was, she was blindfolded she was, blind, she was blindfolded um so i said you could take your your blindfold off yeah and she did and she was standing in this community of mm. three horses and four people wow and the other two horses they didn't have any interest in before they were doing their stuff in the rampant wow Oh, beautiful. So this this happens almost almost all the time. So, yeah. Beautiful. And I can't explain it. I can't explain. You can't explain everything. You you know. You just have to take it in. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta? the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional Theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive Theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about Theta Meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au mm. And I have a feeling that um, even though this horse therapy becomes slowly more popular mm. uh, under different names it mm. is still a very new and still very undiscovered unexplored healing modality because we're just learning so uh, what i was going to ask is are there different subsets of this modality that you are aware of or is it effectively one and the same and are you aware of any other similar centers or farms to yours anywhere else in the world 
and do you collaborate by exchanging case studies and information and learning? So is it like a growing community, if you like, or not yet? Yeah, yeah, it is growing. And what I do is not a therapy. That's really important to um, to differentiate <clears throat> because mine is experiential learning. There's also therapy where you are a, psycholo- a psychotherapist, for instance. And um, mm-hmm. they are th- that's different from what I do. Um, but it's growing, and there are there are centers all over the world actually. And I uh, I meet some people in the UK, and on our Zoom calls there are people from Spain and uh, and UK and Germany, and Sweden, uh, and they all we also have practitioners. I mean, field practitioners in Sweden. So so we had a meeting uh, two weeks ago. Where we met and tried some few, uh, two new exercises. We did ceremonies and um, mm. yeah, so it's growing. And I mean, field comes from Canada. Uh, they, mm-hmm. it, it started eleven years ago. So, and there are others. Do you know if there are any such centers in Australia? Yes, I yes, I think there are. Uh, I think there was one lady from Australia, actually, on our field conference. We had an international Zoom conference. I can check it out for you. Because I think one one was in Australia. I'd like to find out. I'll be curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With your workshops, obviously now with COVID, mm-hmm. everything and everyone goes online because of all the restrictions in terms of mm-hmm. personal contact. So do you offer any sessions, any classes online? And how do you do this in terms of, well, contact with the horse? Mm. Yes, I have Zoom sessions. I have done quite a few meditations on Zoom. And I had uh, have done some private sessions as, as well on uh, Zoom. In the stable, I'm with my horses. Yes. Oh, in the stable. So, so you do it in the stable. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, since we say you know it's all energy so mm. the horses can feel the energy of the person because i have seen you know the horses started to do something with their neck and i can ask the person you know uh, do you have any tension in your neck and she said yeah i do <laughs> but now it's gone so okay the horses work energetically uh, even with with uh, that kind of problem so yeah I wouldn't go maybe as deep with feelings on Zoom because I can't take care of the person mm-hmm. if something comes yep. up. Uh, but I can do it's it's more like coaching, mm-hmm. but with the horses because I, I watch the horse and I watch the horse what he or she mm-hmm. is doing. That's the the only difference. And you do get clients. You do get people interested. In, yeah. In doing this sort of work. Yeah. I do. Oh, love. I had people in the US. Okay. <laughs> so it, it works from Sweden to US. Okay. Do you have any information on your website uh, that can be downloaded or any classes or any other offerings other than those experiential ones with the horses? I have what I call a membership. It's uh, six months where you get meditations, guided meditations um, with one of our horses. So you get two meditations every month and you have some self-coaching questions that you can bring with you in the meditations. Um, so, so uh, and, and my English version, you have a lot of photographs from our farm and the surroundings. So you will see mm-hmm. how beautiful it is. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yes, I've seen some of the mm. photos on your mm. website, and it's they are they are really, really lovely. Mm. Now, one other question I would like to ask you to talk to, or the topic to talk to, is uh, not very pleasant, as you know, as we all know, many people still abuse horses by ignorance by not understanding horses or to show their power and superiority over them or for financial gains, like in the races, which I I cannot stand anymore, honestly. When a young horse is broken, quote-unquote, to accept the saddle and the bit in its mouth, it is literally broken. And people who do that dismiss the fact that it really hurts the horse when you pull the reins with the metal bit in its mouth and just because it is convenient for them to control the horse in this way. Horses also die during the races. When they trip and fall and break the leg, they are destroyed, they are killed. And so I couldn't um, finish this interview without addressing this issue because I think it's really important and it's really it's really about changing and shifting people's attitude to horses to help them see horses as beautiful, intelligent, highly intelligent and very special healing animals as opposed to animals that you can ride on, that you can race to make money without any consideration or very little consideration for the welfare and well-being of those horses. Could you just talk to this for a moment, please? Mm, it's very difficult to talk I know. To. Um, I, I can't watch competitions anymore, mm. uh, and I don't like the races, uh, and I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, I won't to... even mention the rodeo because this is just completely. It no. to me, rodeos are are criminal, animal cruelty. Full yeah. stop. Yeah, and yeah. they are, and they yeah. are still happening, and there are still people who love them and and watch them. And where there is the disconnect in in the person's mind when they are watching a horse jumping up in pain, and they applaud it. Mm. I mean, it's it's just I I can't. I can't comprehend it. No, neither can I. And I, I and I hope it's ignorance. I mean, I don't think people derip, deliberately want to hurt them. Mm. But I don't think they realize that horses are sentient beings and, you know, they can touch a fly sitting on them. So to me, it's, um, no, it's just unbelievable what's happening. And even when you watch the Olympic, I mean, I didn't, but if you watch the Olympic Games, there are still horses being treated in a very, very bad way. Mm. And I don't think that, I mean, yeah, it's money, of course. Yeah, it's money, it's it's ignorance. Yeah. Uh, with, with many people, it's just pure ignorance because mm. when you pointed out, they said, well, well, so it's running, so what? So it will get used to it. It will... And they they just don't understand that this is a highly, highly sensitive animal, highly intelligent, and that that this sort of treatment causes 
pain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I can't watch races anymore either. Mm. And I, and uh, uh, yeah, it's and it's very difficult to to even talk about this topic. But mm. I think it's important to talk about it to mm. to mm. bring to open people's minds and eyes to the fact that this is cruelty. Full stop. Mm. It is cruelty. Yeah, and I think it's as you said, it's another way of thinking because we the one of our first horses was a, a Swedish warm blood and he was a bit hot. <laughs> and uh I didn't dare to canter him with a bit in his mouth. But then I met uh Linda Tellington Jones and her system thinking completely different about horses, um, where you could actually put a ring around the horse's neck. So you just had a, a ring to hold on to. So I was riding him one day and I and I tried the ring and I thought everything is working just fine. So I stopped uh, and I leaned over and actually undid the, the bit and the halter and I took it off and just, you know, threw it on the ground wow. and just had a ring. And I thought maybe I should try to canter. And that's the first time I could canter him without him rushing Uh, because I trusted him. And he felt that because he was also a very, very special horse. So he felt that I trusted him. I trusted him with my life. Mm. And we had a beautiful canter and I did it several times after that. Maybe I started with a bit or I I just had a bit less uh, bridle on him. Mm -hmm. And I did it with my stallions as well. When we started to ride them, we we didn't use a bit. And then I felt, you know, when you can have this connection without a bit, it felt like uh, abuse to put a piece of metal in their mouth. I think that's the problem because people do what they have always done. They don't think mm-hmm. that you can do it in another way. So I tried a bit, and and yeah, and they accepted it because, you know, they trust me. But I felt, no, why should I do this? So we never used a bit. And, you know, when you look at various indigenous communities, indigenous peoples Mm. in Canada, in the U.S., in Australia, Mm. who, yes, they were riding on horseback, but there was no saddle. (laughs) Mm. They didn't use stirrups. There was no saddle. There was no bridle. They they had some sort Mm. of rope probably maybe for some, some sort of control, but they were usually holding on to the mane. It was all about communication, non-verbal communication with the horse. Mm. What is that you wanted to do and which way you wanted to go. And even though the horse was still being used in the sense that you were riding on its back, but there was no pain and no no pressure. So in a sense, yeah. the horse agreed to have you on its back. Otherwise, it I'm sure that it could have very easily 
throw you off its back if it didn't want to because it's so powerful. So it is possible to have this really close connection with horses and be working with with them, Mm. even riding without those metal bits and saddles and Mm. stirrups and whips and all that comes with it. Yeah which is really unnecessary and it's cruelty, but it is convenient to most people. They want to have control. And as you said, it's in most cases for financial gain. And also we we think we have control, but you can't can't control a horse if they don't want to. I mean, they could easily easily kill you. Mm. So it's, it's the person who thinks they have control. True. So, but I saw a, a photograph of, I think it was a Canadian uh, police department. They are riding without bits. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God bless them. I yeah. need, to, I need yeah. to look it up online. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, mm. because the bridle gives you some sort of control in terms of guiding the horse, mm. you know, doesn't doesn't cause any pain, but as long as you can remove the bit... Mm. Uh, and then just communicate. Oh, how beautiful! Mm. God bless them. I need to look them up online. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a few actually. There are a few very good uh, dressage riders. I d- they can't compete, but I, they do. I think Ingrid Klimke and there's another lady as well who is riding without a saddle, without a bit, without anything. Yes, mm. I've seen yeah. that. Yes, without absolutely yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah, and yet. The horse was doing exactly what she wanted mm. it to yeah. do. Yeah. And people just couldn't believe it. And mm. she wasn't. Yes. I, I remember I saw that. That mm. was some months ago on the news. Yeah. Here in Australia. That was. So it can be done. It can be done. It can mm. be done. Mm. Oh, how beautiful. So, Anbrid, to finish on a positive note, <laughs> what would mm. be your key message, a key takeaway for our listeners? that would help them understand and respect these beautiful and intelligent animals? Mm. Well, I think if you meet a horse, just stand there and listen to what it's saying to you you without words. So you can try just sending energy from your heart to the horse's heart Mm. and you will feel when you have the connection and you don't have to be very very close i mean you can meet a horse in the field you can be two or three meters away um and you will see something changes in the eyes of the horse when you have a heart connection maybe they lower their eyelids a bit uh, and you will feel it Mm -hmm. and i think once you've done that you can't go back to the old way of treating (laughs) them (laughs) yes I love it. This is a very, very powerful message and something so simple. Yeah. So very simple that people can do to experience for themselves the connection and the beauty of those magnificent animals. Mm. Well, Anrit, thank you so much for sharing with us your knowledge and wisdom about horses. And it's been such a pleasure to to have you on my show. I will post all the links and information about you and your work in the show notes on my website so that the people can find you. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anna, for having me in Australia. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. There is an important epilogue to this podcast I would like to add, so please keep listening. Few days after this interview recording, I was chatting with Anne Britt about it and said that I was curious whether the connection with the horses really works via the internet. She said, well, would you like to meet my horses and experience it for yourself? Of course. <laughs> and so we set up a Zoom meeting. Anne Britt took me, so to speak, on her laptop to the stable where I met her beautiful horses. She introduced me to them and them to me, one by one. They were looking at the screen where they could see me and could also hear my voice from the speakers. I should mention that several days earlier, after our initial pre-recording chat on Zoom with Anne Britt, when I sat down to my evening meditation, a horse came to me. It was darkish, very handsome for a horse, <laughs> and he spoke to me. So we have already established a connection. The following day I was chatting with Anne Britt and she said, I feel that one of my horses has already connected with you. Do you have a dark, good-looking horse? I asked. Yes, she said. That's the one I was thinking about. Now back to the stable. Anne Britt said that the horses knew it wasn't a social visit, but a working session for them, and so they knew to give me a message, whatever it is that I needed to know. I didn't ask any questions. And then the strangest thing happened. After the introductions, and I thought that I was dreaming. Each of the five horses, one by one, slowly lie down in its stall. And not just like you can often see a horse lying down in the field with their head up, but completely flat on the side, on the ground, as if they were going to sleep. All of them. For a moment I thought I was in a twilight zone. Oh my God, I thought, what have I done to these horses? <laughs> and I felt really uncomfortable. It was the middle of the day. They just came back from the field. Do they do this often? I asked Anbrit. Never, she replied. They are giving you a message. They are reflecting something back to you. We were standing next to the horse who came to me in my meditation. It was lying flat on the ground with its eyes closed. And then I had a thought in my mind. I wonder if this message is about, which was something personal, so I won't quote it here, and in that instant the horse raised its head, looked straight into the laptop screen at me, and shook its head. Oh, my God, he has just confirmed my thought, I said. And Anne Britt just replied, yep as if it was something very common and natural, which of course it was to her. I was stunned, and Anne Britt was laughing. <laughs> After just a few minutes, all the horses got up, making funny faces and showing their teeth. And Anne Britt said, They are very relaxed in your presence, and they like your energy. So, did you get your message? I did. And no, it wasn't that I'm going to get sick or die. It was more subtle than obvious. That was a very powerful experience, something I would never expect to witness. And yes, 
It was fully recorded on Zoom. Now, just before I go, one more thing. In fact, a couple of things. <laughs> In the show notes for this episode, you will find a special offer from Anbrit for the listeners of this podcast. So to access it, and of course, all the info and links, please head to my Quantum Living podcast on podpage.com. There should be also a link to my website on the platform you are listening to this podcast on. And finally, I have also included in the show notes a link to the article Houston Police Mounted Unit Goes Bitless, which shows a photo of those horses without the bits. I encourage you to click on the link and read the article. Now, that's the end. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed this show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.